0: podcastjuice.net Ladies and gentlemen, this is Michael Dean listening to PodcastJuice.net. This is a part two of our remixed edition of the Prince podcast or the podcast on Prince. This podcast was remixed by Ronnie Badra, and it contains elements from some great podcasts that you should check out. First of all, the Peach and Black podcast. Definitely check those guys out. And also the Life Uncharted podcast podcast. Uh, christian schroff's podcast uh he is the one who is supplying us with the interview elements with michael bland but with that said i hope you enjoy this and yo work it like a job joined by the legendary Mr. Levi Caesar Jr. Sir, how are you? Man, I'm great. All right, we're getting hyped up, man. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, You know, we've been following you for a very long time, and you almost, I hate to say you're like an unsung uh, hero in the Prince camp, but I don't know how many people know a lot of your story, but uh, I know for myself, I've definitely been watching you for a long time, and it's a pleasure to have you come on today and, and share with us and we definitely respect your time so shout out to you brother we, we got a lot of love for you over here oh man i appreciate it all the love and the love i can get all right all right <laughs> well
1: What's man going? let's let's get started
0: right. let's get started i want to change it up a little bit normally what i do is i like to ask you know the background or a person come from and we are going to do that with you but I, right now i gotta satisfy one of my own sort of curiosities. Uh, and questions I always wanted to know about, man. And hopefully you can speak on this. Can you give us a little insight into the flesh? Uh, Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. There was some recordings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you give us a little background on what that was? Because, I mean, we don't wore out some of these little songs and and music that has leaked out, particularly, uh, you know, You Got to Shake Something uh man I yeah yeah <laughs> that's, a co- that's a cold cold one right there
2: and uh man that that yeah that was a great experience actually when i was recording it i didn't really know what it was for mm, okay. because we we were we would go to sunset sound this is when i was with sheila
1: mm-hmm.
2: and prince prince would invite me to record with him which uh, i mean i was so honored to do that man he's like yeah come by the session So, you know, Sheila and Wendy, Lisa and Prince and uh, Eric Leeds. And then we just get in the studio and record literally all day and night. And, you know, back then they had those two inch tapes. So, you know, they didn't really last very long. You know, you may have uh, 15, 20 minutes on a, you know, per tape, depending on what speed you're running at. And we just, Prince said, okay. Uh, let's let's start jamming and then later on he'd give it a title wow you know but when I went in there man it was just um, hey Sheila start with the beat Leroy come with the baseline. you know drop out the bass
3: Ain't playing shit on the guitar. Drop out the bass. Just hire a motherfucker just to do this.
2: Levi. And then we were actually, I guess, creating it and writing it as we were playing. He always taught us to produce our parts. He said, "Never just jam." Okay. You know, always play like you're making a record. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun, man, and uh, it got it gave me a chance to see the play the playful side of Prince. Because mm-hmm. if you are here on the record, I mean, he's just having a ball, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, not, that, not that it wasn't fun when we played concerts, but, you know, it was a little more intense. There's a lot of things to remember and whatever, but when we, when we did the flesh sessions, man, it was just like, let's play some funk, let's have some fun, and let's go. But he and Sheila, my house. they were
4: both tanked. They had split a good bottle of wine before we started hitting it that night. The Prince was feeling really
0: good. Everybody, you can hear it, You can you definitely hear it. Yes, sir. Me about in terms of the, the the rehearsal and and just watching Prince on stage and knowing when to you know p- jump into things how 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 much of that I mean how much work was that to get to be that tight I guess
2: well you know we all had a little bit of training with that okay. but but when we got with Prince though he really used the like whatever we knew and then on top of that he added a whole bunch of stuff because, in you know, for Prince, and he always said this in his interviews, you know, the bar for him was never the current artists that were out. <laughs> mm-hmm. The bar for him was James and, you know, Sly them and Fleetwood Mac and all, you know, the, 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 you know, the classic groups. Right. That was always the bar for him, not what was going on current. So he, he told us, like, hey, y'all listen to all of the new records. That's cool. But in here we're always going to be sort of a little old school and I'm going to teach you guys how to play that way and perform that way. So even if we didn't have one light, you know, one of, you know, the show lamps and stuff, even if we didn't have that, the show us within us. We don't need a bunch of, we had a stage, you know, we had stages, very elaborate stages, but Mm -hmm. that's why he could go to a club and be just as entertaining because the show was always in him. And so in order to have it like that, you got to practice and you got to go over and over things so that everything is just second nature. But of course he had, he had Prince had, uh, for example, on any given song, he had like four or five keys that could totally rearrange any given song. Okay. And we had to watch that while we were playing. <laughs> <laughs> It, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do, man. Mm. Um, he had something like he clicked his heels to, tw- and I mean like repeat something, or he hold his fist in the air. We get ready to stop, and of course the on the ones and all that, and uh, and then he would do this like wave hand, like he you know it's like a wave motion with his hand, and then that meant to insert an arrangement that he had given us at rehearsal. <laughs> Wow. But we don't always do it like that. So if he if you <laughs> do that wave the hand, you got to, you know, and so it was, I, I don't even know how I remembered all that stuff back then.
5: He didn't screw up every once in a while. But, you know, uh, he's, he would say, you know, <laughs> he's like, they dig it when I mess up, but don't you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was really that sort of thing. I think like, you
3: told me once you were doing the whole stadium show front to back and like, you screwed up 30 seconds to the end of the show, you start over. Sometimes, depending on what kind of mood he was in. Man, you
5: know, we get in, you know, get into it, and somebody forgets a part or you know something kind of, uh, top of the show, places, and they reset the lights. You see the lights huckle back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> we're never gonna get out of here. You know, and sometimes we'd manage to get out. And I'd get paid and have to turn around right back and go right back to Paisley Park. Workaholic, man. All day, all night. It's the hardest working person I've ever seen in my life. Wow. You know? But that's how much it was he was on the search. Always. Uh one of his hairdressers, um T Bird, Tanya. Tanya would be doing, she told me, I'm, sometimes I'm doing his hair, and I got the hot comb, and I'm trying to, you know, and he's writing lyrics, and he would get so mad, he'd stand up and just start you know, cursing and stomping his feet, and she's got a, you know, she's got a hot comb in her hand, and like, <laughs> oh, I, you know, don't burn the star. Right. Don't burn the money now.
3: So he's trying to write a new song and just couldn't f-
5: find the words. And he He'd be have... working on words for a, yeah, he'd be writing, and he'd get so mad.
2: Just I mean, I, oh, before it was the very first um, show I did with him, and uh, I told him I said, "Hey, you know, good luck tonight." He said, "Don't say that." Mm. I said, well, what, did I say something wrong?" He said, it's "Not about luck." He said, "We're going to do a good show because we practice." Mm. I like that. If you got to if you got if you got to rely on luck, then we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's a T-shirt. I right I said, there. "You know what?" <laughs> Yeah, that 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 makes some sense, though.
4: You needed a few good weeks of just then running things down because this is where all the lights mm. and all of the you know all of the, the the effects on stage had to be programmed and integrated into the show. So, production rehearsals were extremely tedious and boring. We all hated production rehearsals, at least I did, mm. because basically what it meant is you would start at the very top of the show and you would start playing and then you might get thirty seconds or a minute into a song and Prince would say okay everybody stop and freeze and wherever you are stay there and then there's a guy named Roy Bennett who was the production designer Mm -hmm. for all of these tours he started I think before I think he did Summer Prince's earlier tours I know he did the Purple Rain tour He did all the lights for the hit-and-run tour. He did all the lights and all of the production design for the stage. This is the guy who would actually design the stage with Prince for the Sign of the Times tour and the Love Sexy tour. So much of the theatrical and the visual aspect of Prince's tours were because of this guy, Roy Bennett. Hmm. Um... He was and and he's he since has become, you know, after that. I mean, he you know, since since then he's he's been one of the most highly in demand production designers in 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 entertainment. Um, but he he really got his start with Prince, but all of that stuff that you saw on stage, this was this was because of this guy, Roy Bennett. So the production rehearsals basically were Prince and Roy sitting down and then going into every song. 30 30 seconds at a time, a minute at a time, and then they would stop. And then they would sit and discuss. Prince would give Roy his ideas about what he wanted to happen with the lights or whatever, and Roy would give Prince his ideas of what he could do, and they would sit and they would have to program, because all the lights were programmed, you know, computer programmed at that point. So they would have to then sit and program. So that might be five or ten minutes while they're sitting commiserating on that, and we just got to sit on stage and just sit there. And then Prince would say, okay, pick it up exactly where we left off. Wow! <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, it's like if you had a tape, you'd hit stop or pause, and then you'd hit play to pick it up. So we'd pick it up, and we'd maybe get another two minutes into the song, and Prince would yell, stop! Mm. <laughs> you know, and, then, and, and this is what we would do day after day for like two or three weeks because it would take that long to get everything together. And that's uh, what production rehearsals were. I hated them. <laughs> I just, I, I, just, I, I hate. Now, to, to be honest, I'm sure Prince didn't really like them that much either because they were just tedious and they were boring. But this is the process that you had to go through. Mm-hmm. This is why the shows looked why, how they did. And, and, you know, I mean, to be absolutely honest with you, when we, when we did the Love Sexy tour... I was so bored with mm-hmm. that show before we played the first performance because we we rehearsed and put that show together for almost four and a half months before we played the first gig. One wow.
2: thing a side note that I think is important, you know, if we did a six month tour, we usually rehearse six months. In the China Times, three month tour, we rehearsed three months. I don't I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many people who do it like that, but that's what that's what that's that's how it was.
0: Wow, six months of practicing, rehearsing, whatever, and yeah. how many times, obviously during that time, there had to be a lot of changes. You know, I think I heard Eric Lee say that, you know, you would come in and do it one way and then like, you might come the next day and it could be... Oh, yeah.
2: Different. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, so... So I remember uh, on every tour, so like Saturday times, three months rehearsal. The the very, I the, um, the second day of the tour, Prince was like, okay, I got a bunch of notes. We need change and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> right? Now we have we got this. You know, we were rehearsing for three months to do this show, and we're like, what? You're gonna change a bunch of stuff? And he, because he watched the entire show every night, mm. and then he would come with pages of notes. He's like, okay, on song five, take out the second chorus. And you got to remember this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Edit, take that out. Okay, on song 10, I wrote a new part for that. Here, ready? Here we go. Wow. And we're like, okay. I mean, it's like 17 of these things. And we got to do it, make the changes that night. Mm. And not only for the band. So any music changes we made, that meant the sound guys, the lighting guys, stage props, everything. I mean, he was
5: all aware I mean, I mean, of the lights, of the, of the dancing, mm-hmm. of the band, totally paying attention to everything. Wow. Uh, somebody in one of the later configurations of the band told me, man, I saw him do the craziest thing today. His, he started using the, the piano, like facing off stage instead of on the stage. Like, so his back was to the band. Mm -hmm. It was, like, this way. And right before then, he had said something about a lighting cue. And he sat down, and apparently the dude made the same mistake again. Prince, with his back turned to the whole lighting rig, said, didn't we just talk about that? (laughs) I don't want to see that in my show. Nobody knows how he saw it, even. Wow. But I'm, like, thinking, like, no. He either re- was looking at the floor or the piano. Or... He was somehow he was waiting to see what this dude was gonna do, you know. But that's how much he was, you know, just
2: because we were recording all the time. That's what a lot of people don't know is you know we'd have these you know ten hour rehearsal days, but after that we would do at least another four or five hours of recording per day. Mm. So so recording was just like drinking water, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, really, we did it that often. It was that regular, you
0: know. So it was
2: very comfortable.
0: Okay. You talked about the nervous jitters. I mean, what was that? Just actually playing with Prince and he's in there? Or what is that? What do you mean by that?
2: Uh, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I'm just saying we got past that. You know, anytime you get a new situation, and especially when you're dealing with somebody who's, like man, sometimes man, I I sit back and watch Prince. I'm like, how is it possible that one person could have this much talent? Mm. I mean, in every in every in every area. I mean, singing, dancing, playing, writing, and you know, you know what I mean. Mm. I, and you have to imagine that you just sitting there and you watch it, and he's doing it so effortlessly. And it's just, I mean, he's writing songs. I mean he'll write you know hit songs in an hour or two with and record them you know so it was
6: a little of course i think one of the biggest problems with prince is he did so many things well i just said this in another interview and i think it's something i really believe it's that he did so many things well that he oftentimes got underrated you know like his guitar playing for instance i whenever i pick up one of these rolling stone articles or whichever whatever guitar magazine or whatever it is that rates the 100 greatest guitar players, he's never like in the top 10 of those people. And and granted, there's a lot of great guitar players out there, but this dude can play and he's got massive hits that were like
3: big, giant hits.
6: You know, he is a guitar slinger, make no mistake about it. But Prince should be in the same class to me and some of them cats, man. And it just always, gets kind of like I'd read him and be like, this is crazy. Like, he's like, he, come on, man. You know, and I think it's because he could do so much. Prince could be a bass player in anybody's band and being the dopest bass player. Same with drums, same with keyboards, same with guitar. But he could do that. He could sing. He could dance. He could do all of those things so well that I think people just kind of poo-pooed him on individually those things as a bass player. And he's a bass legend. at all of these different things and people knew he could do it but I don't think they quite understood that bass players would be like, Oh my god, this dude, Steve Vai gave me a guitar for him and like did the bow and everything like the
3: That's crazy.
6: Gave me a guitar and it was a funny thing because you know, I took it to Prince and and he said, What's this? I said, um I said, Oh man, Steve is over in the studio and he, he wanted you to have this man. It's a it's one of his signature seven strings. He said, I can do what I need to do with six
4: <laughs> <laughs> as a guitarist i think he was always sort of underrated and it wasn't really till that um that rock and roll hall of fame yeah. where like the general public were like prince can do that exactly. before that they didn't really know but that was what that just blew up after that
6: it did and i think that's what he really got it and he told me about that too he said uh and that was around the same time i think that i um was at his house and we talked about it and he said uh I said, Prince, that's got to be one of the... Devil. I said, I've seen you do some solos. I said, but I think you, that was one of your high points in your career, brother. I said, I, I ain't never seen nothing like that. And he said, you know what I did? I said, what did you do? He said, well, I went half gas on him in the rehearsal. You know, I didn't do all my little tricks. You know, I just went kind of like easy on him in the rehearsal. But he said, when the show kicked in, I had to go on and get him. <laughs> I said, yeah, man. I said, oh, my God, dude, you went got him, dude. I said, that was unbelievable, man. I said, Prince, that, that was... I said, bro, seriously, I've seen you do some stuff. I think that you just creamed everything I saw. And another thing, man, I saw Eric Clapton, man. I mean, he's always been hailed as one of the guitar gods, man. And I remember seeing an interview with Eric Clapton where they asked him, like, how does it feel to be like one of the greatest guitar player? And he said, you should ask Prince. That's what Eric Clapton said.
7: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It
6: att- how does it feel? Because that's what you need work. to talk
7: to. I mean, who, who did more cool inversions and, and modifications than Prince? I mean, he did some fantastic stuff wow man. really heart-wrenching stuff there are only 12 notes people forget that there are only many many octaves you know eight eight or ten, however many octaves there are of 12 notes repeated and to be able to find and pull these heart strings with just an inversion or dropping a six in or a flat five or something that it, you don't have to know about music to know what i'm talking about it just when you listen to um sometimes it snows in april and um, I forgot what note it is. There is that a five that he put. Sometimes, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I'm. Ooh, that just that, just that note makes you go. Oh, it just kind of crushes you. It's so emotionally, and it, 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 it's so evocative of emotion. And very few artists can do that like he can. And he could do it at will. And that's what was beautiful about piano and microphone is, you, you got. I got to sit behind him for a couple of months of doing that, and just listening to all these notes really clearly be dropped in um with without being obfuscated or or, um, smeared by other instruments
0: how did that uh how did those shows uh change or grow over the time that you guys did those or did it
7: i don't um that's a good question let me think about that i i would say it's not like i noticed that he got Better on the keys over time. I think he improved. He improved his um, his movement from his interstitial uh, movement from one song to the next. I think he st- he kept refining that until the end, where he would go, okay, I'm going to actually do this one here because that works better. Hmm. And he never had a a, a, um, a tr- he had never had trouble going from like, wow, I'm in F sharp minor right now and I have to get to E major. Like that's a problem, <laughs> you know. That's I'm modulating downward and into a different. Uh he he didn't have trouble with that because he, he knew how much time he needed to play chords around getting down into a certain key. He was really good at that. Um he didn't see those kind of problems. They didn't exist for him. But I it, it certainly did one thing. It reaffirmed for me that his greatest instrument was keys. Interesting. And that, that I didn't I didn't know I wouldn't have written that in stone until after that tour. And he and but before his death. So during the middle of that tour, at some point, we were in Australia, and I said, wow, th- that's his instrument. Because number one, it's multi-tonal, so that takes drum programming and bass out of the mix. Um, not that you can't be um, multi-temporal with a, with a bass, but you understand. The gu- guitar was a great instrument of his, but a lot of that was um, – uh, and he was such a great rhythm player as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but keys was, to me, his his real instrument and, vo- and voice keys and voice but if you take voice out of it because everyone has such a uniquely different take on what they do it, it affirmed uh, for me that that keyboards was his real um that was his instrument
8: Five hours later, four in the morning when everything when he walked finally made it back to the wind drum machine and hit stopped. It was just him and I. That was it. Everybody else had everybody else had left. Right. He looked down at the drum set and I walked up to him and I thought to myself, I had actually asked him, and that was amazing, do you read the manuals on all this stuff? And he looked at me out of the corner of his eye, got up, didn't answer me. got off the drum kit, walked down to his microphone, and started singing in falsetto and talking to me. So I went back to the console, dialed it up, he would be real soft-spoken, and, I, and he was, that was part of his thing. You know, He'd speak very quietly, but to try to get that as loud as possible would be successful, because then you knew at singing volume it would be very good. So anyway, it started getting kind of glassy, so I backed it off. And he gave me the little, can you come here with this little finger movement. I walked over to the center of the stage, and he said, the only thing I don't like is feedback. And I said, you and me both. And he said, I can tell you had it just right. As soon as it started getting glassy, you backed it off. If you could do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. And I said, not a problem. So I knew right then and there, this guy knew the terminology. He had experienced this stuff before, and that was that. He turned around and looked at me. He put his hand out and he said, thanks, Cubby. I never told the guy my name. So (laughs) somehow he found out about my deal with the flying monitors before I ever knew who this guy. It was just kind of one of those moments, right? And then he walked away and said, "I'll see you at ten o'clock." Did
3: Prince have a sense of humor?
8: He was hilarious.
3: See, nobody knows that, right? He was hilarious. He got was... the little smirks once in a while.
5: Oh man, no, he, he he was he was very astute, and he told very funny stories all the time. Really? I'll, I'll, I'll tell one. One of the, one guy who was playing in a band that was opening for Prince on tour. They were rehearsing at Paisley, mm-hmm. and the keyboard player, he. Wow, he's going to know who he is when I start. He probably knows the story, so I'll just tell it. I'm not going to mention his name, though. He's a white guy that grew up over north, north Minneapolis. And so, you know, he really, as a product of his surroundings, he had certain, uh, how do I want to put it, like just black inflection in his voice and his pronunciation. You know, he just he kind of talked like, like the average black dude from that neighborhood. But he's a white guy. White guy. Prince went up on stage to show him something. He's like, no, the voicings are wrong there. You have to do this instead. And so on and so on. Yeah, all right, man. Uh, Yeah, and and Prince kind of looked at him. And I was standing at at the bottom of the stairs when Prince came down. He's like, he said, why does he have to try to talk like us? (laughs) He said, you know what that is? He said, he said, he said, He's not a wannabe. He's a rather be. <laughs> and, and he walked off. I was like, oh, man. Wow. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's, you know, he, he'd he rather be one of us, I guess. But he said it like, like, a, like a
3: Rothschild. <laughs> yeah. rather be. I remember one time he came to Bunkers and Billy <laughs> Franzi was playing like the Jimi Hendrix version oh, boy. of the National Anthem. Uh-huh. And Prince was in the back. And, you know, people kind of watch Prince all night, too, just, well, sure. what's he think, mm-hmm. you know? And Billy knew Prince, right? And Yeah, Billy and he, Prince liked
5: each other yeah. quite a bit, actually.
3: And he walked up to the front with his arm in the air with his napkin, waving it. And oh no I can't remember. He do you remember this? He like yes. he Billy has that napkin framed at his house. He handed him the napkin and like smirked at him and left. And uh-huh. the napkin said the napkin said stop it. You're white. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> ah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Oh that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean and Billy thought it. Uh, Billy framed the napkin. It's on his wall.
3: I would too. Bring
6: me a strong with whiskey. <laughs> And your finest by the wine. Mm-hmm. Bring me your finest whiskey. And your most strongest
8: by the wine. Yeah.
1: Cause
6: I'm gonna be ha- I'm gonna have to be. <laughs>
2: Busy drunk to get your black ass on my mind. Um, Prince was like, okay, Levi, we need a new band. <laughs> and so, um, so I'm like, okay, uh, let me, let me put some feelers out. Um, and, um, uh, well, actually what, even with Michael Bland, I had a little bit of a hand in that. Um, so I went down to bunkers and, uh, so I'm sitting there, and I, I remember Dennis Chambers was down there. He was in town. So I said, oh, hey, yeah, I'm going to go check out Dennis Chambers, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dennis Chambers was killing it, right? And I turned my back for about 15 minutes, and then I noticed the drums, that something about the drums had changed. I turned around, Michael Bland was on the drums. I didn't even know him at the time. And I said, oh, my God, he was murdering the drums, man. <laughs> And so I went back the next day. I said, Prince, man, uh, dude, I know who our next drummer is, man. I know who he is. And man, just go down the bunkers and, and check him out. But she happens to mention to him, like, oh, you should come see us on Monday
5: instead. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, our r- normal drummer plays with us. This kid from southeast Minneapolis, you know, but he's really, really good. And, you know, she piques Prince's interest. He said, OK, I might do that. So the next Monday, <laughs> he shows up. <laughs> he comes walking in. He's you know stays over back by the by the popcorn machine. And oh, you're
3: eighteen. Did you freak out a little bit? Like, oh boy.
5: I really didn't, you know. And I'm gonna keep it one hundred. I knew about Prince's music and I liked some of it, but I wasn't a super fan. No, I yeah. really was not.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: But uh, he sits in that night, and he's I, and you know I decide that I'm just gonna kind of do what I normally do. I guess there was a point Cody could tell you, because Cody was running sound that night. But but Cody came up to me after the gig and said, you're going to work with him. I said, why do you say that? And he explained, it's like, you played something, and he he started looking at your hands. Like, you did something that he, like, you surprised him. Meanwhile, he's inviting us out to Paisley, you know, to listen to records and, like, new stuff he's working on. And, like, he had a party for Bon Jovi out there. And Living Color was opening for Bon Jovi on this tour. He invites us all out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a social call. But um, he actually wants, he's waiting for us because he wants to jam. So we get there after we get our money. You know, it's one forty, and we're getting our money. It's like, well, now we're gonna drive out to Chanhassen. 50 minutes. So we drive all the way out there, you know, and we get there finally. And uh, I go in the front door and Prince's brother's like, where you been, man? Prince is waiting for you. Waiting for me? Why is he waiting for me? <laughs> he takes me right to Prince. Prince is like, how does the gig go tonight? Great, man. You feel like playing a little bit more? I'm, I'm sure, why not? So we walk in, and he kicks Living Color off of the off the instruments. Like, oh, okay, you, you guys are not. <laughs> and we jump on the gear, and, you know, we're uh, kind of just jamming on this um, this song by Parliament Funkadelic called uh, Game It On You. uh, I think that's what the one it is. And Prince is playing keys, and I'm just kind of, you know, just larking off time, just kind of grooving it pretty hard. And he leans into the mic, and he's looking at me and says, You looking for a job, son?
7: Now, wait a minute. Before we go there. Michael B.
3: Can you do something for me? Can you get funky? We'll go in on then, nigga. Come on.